0: back to the apprentice one-to-one podcast thank you all again very much for tuning in it's been a couple of weeks since we've done one of these i've been busy in the day job and craig boost who's one of the regular hosts has had to drop out tonight because he's stuck on site so it's the nature of the beast with this but we've been very very lucky this evening to have a former guest on the podcast craig wiltshire come along to join us to speak about the experience worker route but before we get into that how are you craig
1: yeah, not too bad at all. I thought it appropriate. I wore my old Sparky T-shirt tonight, Mark, just to uh, reflect my age and experience. <laughs> but That's uh, it. Yeah, you've really uh, good. Really time, busy. Time there, on the job yeah. now. Yeah, it's good though, Mark. Everything's very, very busy out there. Getting busier by the moment, and um, you know, as we're about to discuss tonight, I think things are going to get bus- busier again going forward. So, yeah, it's uh, it's really, really good at the moment.
0: Now, fantastic. And I really do appreciate you coming to speak about this because I get loads of questions on social media about the Experience Worker route. It's a very, very much used route into industry, I would say. And there's lots of people who ask questions and you're going to have some of the answers, I'm sure. You've been good enough to provide us with a little list we're going to work through. So we'll base the podcast along that. So if we want to hit it up from the top, what actually is the 2346 Experience Worker route, Greg?
1: Right, so the 234603 experience worker or the EW3, which is the EAL version, much of a much less, it's exactly the same MVQ as you know, Mark, they work the same criteria, just different companies. So it took over from the 235699 um, experience worker MVQ and and it's replaced it. And it's um, it's replaced in a way whereby it's given more opportunities to people in the industry who are already in the industry to sort of, in a way, like CPD themselves into a qualification. So, you know, it's where the 235699, you needed like a level two, um, a minimum, and then you could sit the 235699. Now the 234603, you don't actually need the level two or level three anymore. You can prove your experience um, and join that way. Now, that in itself was a massive bone of contention in the beginning of this MVQ. Uh, and i got to be honest, even myself, I was very sceptical and I, I sort of voiced in the concern in the beginning. However, um, I've been working for two, just under two years now on the 234603. I've worked with a lot of learners. Uh, a lot of learners have gone through me. And I have to say that um, I'm, I'm converted to, to, it's based on the 5357 MVQ, which is the full MBQ, as you know. Um, and it's not as smooth as a two three five six nine nine as as far as like the way you can build it and the criteria go but it does cover a bit more criteria and it is a bit more in depth so uh there's pluses and minuses to it um mark to be honest so the two three four six experience worker you need to have five years experience in the industry now as we're going to see, as this as this chat goes on, right? When we when we say experience in the industry, right? Let's examine what an MVQ is. The the first mistake people make with an MVQ is they think when they sign up that they're coming onto a training course, right? And it's not. An MVQ isn't a training course. It's on site experience, right? So if someone wants to sit the experience worker MVQ, so what they are telling us is they've got a minimum of five years experience right? Not including any training. It's very important. We mention that now, right? So any training has got to be discounted from that five years. So if they've got, um, say, three years in and two years on level two and level three, then that's only three years experience they've got, even if they were working whilst they were training. So we're talking five years experience without any training, right? Um, But what an MVQ is, is somebody's telling us, that they are confident and competent and they've gained the necessary skills and experience um, and education, right, and knowledge to become an electrician, we then ask them to provide evidence of that, whether it be write-ups, photographs, videos, you know, you know the, the different assessment methods that we can use. We will then assess them and agree or disagree to what they're saying, Um and a, a lot of the guys that come on around quite ready for the experienced worker, who have been in the industry a long time, but haven't maybe gained enough knowledge to be classed as an electrician, find out very quickly um, that they might fall down and they might not have that experience in terms of knowledge. I mean, they have the experience, but not the knowledge to become an electrician. And that's where we come in as an assessment team and and find that out. So it's not what it's not as a training course. What it is, yeah. is... Them telling us, I'm going to be a. I am an electrician. I'm good enough to be an electrician, and I'm going to agree or disagree. So that that's the first massive thing I think that um, is really important for people to understand.
0: It's such a so, good point because th- that's essentially what the it front. is. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those where there's people who think it is a training regime. So you sign up for these things, and you're going to be kind of tutored through your learning. But there's kind of the assumption that you already have done much of that and it's sort of filling in the gaps. Is that fair to say where your training might not have been complete in terms of an apprenticeship or full-time learning on the 2365 or whatever it is called today? This is kind of maybe helping people fill a few of those gaps?
1: Absolutely. I'll give you a classic example. Um, so you may have someone who's done, uh, who, who left school and went to college uh, and they did a couple of years in college, might have achieved the level two and all the level three, right? But then the college has gone bust. Or they've left for personal family reasons, or something's happened where they couldn't quite finish that training, and they might have come out of the industry for a bit, but then they might have gone back in. They might have got a job as an electrician's mate, um, as a as a um, kind a labourer, What am I trying to think of? Uh, what are they called? Mark, where, an improve, uh, oh,
0: an improver.
1: Ah, you sorry, but senior moment there. That's the old part of me, all right, coming out. Uh, Yeah, an improve. You know, maybe working as an improver, which which is absolutely fab. Um, So they've got the the knowledge there because obviously they've got the level two, maybe have the level three as well. Um, Hopefully they've got the regs too, the the eighteenth amendment two now, as you know. Um, And then they just want to seal the deal with the MVQ. Um, With the way everything's gone and with the way the industry's changed now, they're all going to have to have it. We we are all going to have to have the MVQ. Um, You need it now to become. A member of the nic um scheme you needed to become a member of the NAPIT scheme you even need it now if you want to set the um electric vehicle charging course um and obviously to get your JAB gold card so it is something that we're all gonna have to have and i feel especially as the criteria has been set level across the bar um rightly so you know and i i don't feel I mean, there's always going to be arguments to to and to and fro regarding the um, the MBQ. We'll we'll talk a little bit about social media later, um, but essentially, that's what the MBQ is. It's it's somebody telling us that I am good enough to be an electrician, and we're going to assess them to agree or disagree based on the evidence and information that they give us. So that's that's that in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, and and kind of. Your next question that you've got on your list is who's eligible to, eligible to join in. I guess you've kind of answered that already, that it's anybody who's got five years' experience in the industry. So that could be somebody who has been a domestic installer, for example, maybe with a CPS and not done a traditional apprenticeship to fulfill the requirements of applying for a gold card and being able to be a qualified supervisor and all that that's going on in the background with the ECS. Or somebody who's been out you know, on site for a few years but not kept up to date with the QUALS as much as they maybe should have as long as you've got that five years this is pretty much available to to anyone in the industry is it,
1: it, it, it it's yes and no right is going to be my opinion on this right and um, as, as this goes on and we go into skills scans you'll see why so five years in the industry right so we could have somebody who's done five years of just doing um tray, for example right and has gone absolutely no knowledge of the electrical industry so in reality, they have been in the electrical industry for five years. So yes, they would be eligible to apply, right. But then when it comes to them being questioned and assessed in terms of are they actually eligible to join? Maybe not, because they might not have the necessary knowledge in order to say to us, you know, we're, we're a fully qualified electrician. Um, so yes, five years experience excluding any training. Um, I do believe I don't know if this is sort of um, actually written in, um, but just different conversations I've had, I think now the minimum age is 21 to join. Um, but personally, in in reality, we've got to be looking 24, 25. I mean, when we are um, profiling people and carrying out the, the skill scan interviews, which we're going to talk about next, um, when we look at the dates of births, you know, anybody aged 21 or below is, is not really going to get through the net because it's impossible that they will have had five years experience, plus, um, plus any education. You know, we have had one or yeah, two exceptional uh, yeah. circumstances, mind where um, people have proved that, and that's absolutely fine. And, and in fact, the, the the two people that, that, that ha- that's happened to with me are actually exceptional electricians and, and fully deserving of the qualification. Um, and, and I'm more than happy to put my name on both of their uh, qualifications. Um, however, it was quite rigorous in the end, and a net, uh, net, net, do have a safety net in terms of, um picking up that, you know, when they did pick it up on both instances and, and the, the you know, Asana Learner really did have to prove um that they did have that five years experience. And again, I, I sort of agreed with the next decision there and I and I thought to myself yep. that the diligence they showed in both those situations um was fantastic. And just to even pick them up, it just shows that there's a safety net there. So yeah, five years experience in the industry, less any training time.
0: I mean, Net do an incredible job. I'm a big fan of that organisation. I think it's one of the things the electrical industry have done and got really well, and credit to the people involved with that organisation. And I know we'll get to that later because it's on your list to speak about, so we won't get into that just at this time. But, yeah, I mean, that's a great coverage, what you've said there, and it makes perfect sense. You're not going to have someone who's um, a youngster because they haven't had that five years' experience. It's physically impossible, so it's kind of it's there. There is questions that have come in from people in a military background who've done certain qualifications in the past that maybe don't fully... Marry up with ours, and I guess that's kind of picked up with the skill scan. Is the skill scan essentially the gatekeeper to this route now? Is you know, we are saying we don't have to do the level two anymore to gain entry to this. So, is the skill scan kind of replaced that as long as it's done correctly as the gatekeeper to this route into industry?
1: This, this absolutely is. Uh, I'm one of your former guests, Lawrence. I'm sure you, you know Lawrence. Um, he's at military Royal Signals, and uh, he came through me for his mbq and he went through the skills scan. So his That's electrical well. background was military yeah i mean lawrence is a, a, an excellent um, as far as people who have gone through me i think um the feedback i had for lawrence's assessments were probably the best i've ever had as an assessor from our iqe um which which was fantastic and do you know what though just a generally nice guy um but absolutely studied 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 he he, he was faultless in every single uh, in every single way and i really enjoyed working with him but he was his he military background however he managed well we managed as a team really to make that happen in terms of you, you know use the experience and rightly so and some of the assessments were actually carried out on a military base mark and uh you know we were able to use and prove his knowledge through that um, and then the, some of it was obviously carried out commercial, domestic as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the guys coming out of the military, you, you certainly can use your um, use your military experience absolutely, and and it's been proved that we can do that and do that very very successfully. So coming back to the skill scan, I feel fundamentally this is the most important part of eligibility onto the course. So when the on social media recently there's been a little bit of um controversy out there whereby um the skills cam was viewed as a kind of brief conversation where you know um just talk about xyz sign the box cross the t's dot the i's and uh and there you go you're in it's absolutely not not that at all. So typically, one of our skill scans will last between half an hour and 45 minutes. And we cover the whole range of um, experience, qualifications, cable, containments and accessories. We go through BSM671 um, or certain elements of BSM671 just to ensure that the guys you know are aware of the, the, the different um, regulations in terms of their installs. We have a very robust testing conversation um, and a, it's a general discussion on their experience and on what they've done. And contrary to popular belief, Mark, the skill scan is subject to IQA and it is subject to EQA. So it is... Um, what, sorry, Greg, What IQA and EQA?
0: Just for, just for people who maybe don't understand, there's a lot of sorry, apprentices buddy. who listen to this. Yeah, so, what, what sorry, man,
1: yeah. Um, so So... Yeah, absolutely. So I as an assessor will assess a learner, right? Once I've assessed it, I will make an assessment decision whether I agree or I disagree, like we talked about earlier, that that learner has the knowledge to pass that assessment. So let's say, for example, I carry out, I don't know, a health and safety assessment on a learner, right? Unit 102 of this particular qualification. And I pass the assessment. That doesn't mean that that assessment is passed. That will then go through a quality control progress. So we'll have an internal quality assurance, right? So it'll go from me to the IQA. Now, the IQA will sample it. Um, you know, it's like um, an EICR. Where, when an IQA um, starts working with an assessor, he'll 100% sample me. Um, after a number of assessments, he 75%, 50%, 25%. That's how it works, right? But anyway, the IQA will then assess that as well. He'll, he'll assess me assessing. And he will agree or disagree with my decision, right? Then it will go from the IQA to the EQA. So that's an external quality assurer who generally works for, for example, City and Gills. And then he or she, sorry, <laughs> but no, no, no sexism meant at all. There's some fantastic female IQA and EQAs that we work with as well. So uh, I'm sorry, ladies. Um, but the EQA will then look at it. Um, And then he or she will disagree with the IQA's um, decision. So there's a safety net of me being a diligent assessor. Um, If I'm not being diligent, we've got internal quality assurance. If they are not being diligent, we've got external quality assurance. So this skill scan will be and is subject to internal quality assurance and external quality assurance. So. This is not just a chat. Yeah, no problem. You're in, mate. Tick in the box. This is a robust conversation where uh, I'm. I mean, I'm not going to go into any of the questions at all that we ask, Mark. I, I don't no. think that, that we should put it out there, really. Um, but it is a robust conversation, and believe me, if anybody's watching this, um, you will be challenged on your knowledge. Um, now, if we disagree that that person hasn't got the he might have he or she might have the experience right but they might not have the knowledge that's it they won't get past that that skill scan phase that's then yeah not over for it's them it's like an in-depth in interview like to take a different route you got it yeah in-depth interview um but from that interview should they not be successful In that particular part. It's not the end. So don't don't think if you don't get through the skills scan phase, that's it, you know, it's over for you. It isn't. There's other routes in, but you'll be advised on the route in. So for example, it could be that you're asked to go and do the level two, the level three, and sit the two, three, five, seven MVQ. Um, it might be that we give you an internal course to do. We might feel your knowledge is there or thereabouts, but it's not quite where it needs to be. So we might sort of have an internal course that we put you on in order to bring your knowledge up, and then re interview you. And then just to ensure that that's sort of there and sunk in. And then, um, and then happy days, then you know, you could you can get in that way. So um, an unsuccessful skill scan isn't the be all and end all of it. Um, We do, at my level, we do have to be diligent. This is the the one key thing that's come out over the last couple of years. Um, And I'm going to give you an example of of what's happened. So I, I work for a number of different training providers. Um, as you know, Mark, right. And I had somebody sit a skill scan with one training provider, and absolutely no, nowhere near where th- this person needed to be. So it was unsuccessful. And I advised the candidate on the route that they needed to take. About a week and a half later, I had another skill scan booked with oddly enough, somebody with the same name, but for another training provider. And the person had come back through me, and uh, trying to get back back in another way, um, and, and again, obviously unsuccessful. And then I do believe that they they tried with somebody else, and fortunately, enough the, the other company who I don't deal with, I never have dealt with, but I do know people there, um, and they were unsuccessful there as well. And I'm led to believe that the candidate is now doing his advice, sitting the level two, level three, and the two, three, five, seven, perfect result there. But it's a really good example of how the skill scan should be used um, by all training providers. And as long as we all stick to that, we're going to drive up the quality in the industry, which ultimately that's what this is all about.
0: Yeah, I mean, totally. You often see those arguments on social media. I've, I've seen them as well, where... It's kind of said it's just a, a quick chat to get you through and you're going to be badged up with your gold card in no time. But that's not the reality. You're working this system. You see how it's supposed to be done. And as with everything, we all know there are shortcuts and sidesteps to anything in life. If people want to cheat, they will find a way to cheat in anything, not just the electrical industry. So as long as we make our systems as yep. robust as is reasonably practical, you know, we can only go so far in these things. I think that's fair enough. And it sounds yeah. like this is a helpful a helpful way to direct people because i know loads of people out of a military background who've just been default sent on to do you know civilian qualifications level two level three maybe repeating stuff they've already done that they didn't need to so this is i think it's a helpful step Mm -hmm. to have a thorough review of your skills the level you're at and then set a training regime in place to bring you up to what industry is saying this is our our standard this is where everyone's got to be at i think it's a good thing i like it i like the sound of it. it sounds good to me
1: If it's done correctly, it's absolutely fantastic, and it doesn't just benefit the learner. So, um, as an as an example for that, Mark, as an assessor, I get to really see what that learner knows or doesn't know. So, you know, we're not expecting the learner to know every single thing. Nobody does. I don't. You don't. You know what it's like. Every day is a school day, right? But what it does, the skill scan for me, I'm gonna. I know ultimately I'm going to end up assessing that learner, and I know points of strength, points of weakness. So, okay. That that learner might be absolutely fantastic at installation. They might be, they might they might know how to do containment factors, for example, and they might know all the installation stuff. When it comes to testing, they might be really weak, and they and they might be unconfident. That so that conversation might part of that conversation might not go too well, but we wouldn't necessarily say, well, okay, you know, you did, you, you've got clearly, you've got the experience, clearly, you know. The regulations, you've referred to them. We're happy with that. You know what? You fell down on testing. However, I'm not going to uh, fail you. I'm not going to disadvantage you because you're a bit weak in that subject. This is what we're going to do. We'll just make a plan. So, and for an assessor and for, and for a training provider, that's absolutely brilliant because you can say, do you know what we'll do? Um, just touching on the next point, you know, they, they have to do the 2391-50 um, as a minimum anyway. They have to do the 18th edition anyway uh, and then they're going to go on to do the am2 right so what what we would say in that circumstance is well look installation wise no problem let's give you the induction and let's start on the on the qualification right however before we do any testing and fault finding i'd like you to go away and sit the 2391 get that qualification and when you've got that then so let's concentrate on the installation part now um because we've got plenty of time to do it and then you do the 2391 in the meantime, give us the evidence that you've passed it because we needed any way to give you the qualification. Then we will hit the testing and fault finding. We might even do that part of the skill scan again and then do the testing and fault finding, offering any resources that we've built up along the way, helping them to sort of boost their knowledge. And uh, and, and I've had a lot of people and I'm talking maybe 40, 45 percent of people. You know what it's like with testing, Mark. It, it's the it's the bugbear of the most people but once they come through um and and sometimes in the skill scan they'll go to absolute pieces i've had people crying in the skill scan right but then they've came back to me later when they finished the qualification with a thank you thanks for making me feel like that because they don't realize they didn't know um and and then at the end you know and 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 they'll say no look craig nice one for that mate i'm I'm glad you failed me actually on that part because now i'm a better electrician for it now know how to test it before i was just watching some bloke press buttons and you know, now I can do this, 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 this. And there's no better feeling, um, you know, well, apart from getting a bottle of scotch on the door, which happens from time to time, um, there's no better feeling than, you know, seeing that guy or, or girl, you know, really get through and really hammer the test inside. So that is the beauty of the skill scan. It helps them, but it also helps us. Um, and that's a fantastic little relationship then.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's such a good point that, you know, if you fill in the gaps for people and improving their skill set... That's a win win always round, and you must get a lot of satisfaction from seeing that happen at close quarters. So full full credit to you for making this happen. And you say your next thing on the list is qualifications. Do we need to sit or are we sitting? And you've kind of just covered that. So you have to do two three nine one fifty, which I believe is that initial verification of your own installs essentially and being able to test your own work and then the
1: yeah, 239150, to be honest, I always recommend everyone does the 239152. If you're going to put yourself through that course, go for go for broke um, and get the full qualification. It'll benefit you so much more. So the majority of my uh, people go for the whole thing. Um, 18th edition, yes. And just to explain a little bit how it works, and I actually had this uh, conversation earlier with somebody today, is that with the 18th edition and the two three nine one. And the MVQ, that then qualifies you to sit the AM2. So you can't sit the AM2 until the MVQ is complete. The MVQ can't complete until you've done the 18th and the 2391. So what that means in terms of assessment, I suppose, is should we take, for example, the test inside of it? So we're assessed on one occasion, are we, in the MVQ. We're then assessed on another occasion in the 2391 and then a third occasion in the AM2. So the framework, the whole thing, you've been assessed on three separate occasions. If that's the case, you are competent to become an electrician, in my opinion, uh, because they are three rigorous and robust assessments that you're gonna go through. Um, and then you can quite rightly and quite proudly call yourself a Sparky, and you may, may even make an old Sparky, you never know. But but that's how it works. And. It's just important for people to know that um, where the two, the two, three, five, six, nine, nine, you could sit the AM two whenever you like during that course. The two, three, five, seven, you can sit the AM two whenever you like, but the two, three, four, six, oh three, you have to get the those elements eighteen two, three, nine, one, MVQ. Then you sit your AM two.
0: You've answered one of the questions I had given in for asking you just right there because that was one of the things that people had asked. Um, what was kind of the order of these things so yeah and it doesn't sound like an easy route to me this doesn't sound like a shortcut the easiest way to qualify as an electrician i always say is to do an apprenticeship everything else is very difficult it's very much on the pe- the learner the individual to make things happen for themselves and this is really tough Your am2 2391 wiring regs doing a portfolio of work if you put the effort in and do it properly that is not easy so i don't see that at all
1: it's not an easy route at all, Mark, and and I mean I've I've had right now thousands of clients um come through, thousands of guys come through my books, right, um and I would wager a bet that you could pick any of them at random and ask them, did you have an easy MVQ with Greg? And the answer is going to be no. So again, and going out for the industry, if you want an easy route to your MVQ, don't come to me. I'm not going to give it to you. If you want to be a fully qualified electrician with all the bells and all the whistles and you really want to know your stuff and essentially you're going to know what I know and do what I can do come through me because I'll give you that. But I'm not going to. No one's having an easy ride. Everybody is going to be. Oh, my mission in life, my aim, my passion is just to drive up industry standards. I've come through the old school Mark, where Part P was introduced, two thousand and five, disastrous for the electrical industry, right? Absolute nightmare. You know, you had you, you you know no detriment to kitchen fitters and plumbers and carpenters. You know, but you had people who were one day wiring up a fuse spur and the next one we had them in a factory um, trying to trying to fit a three phase board. It just did it didn't work, and it, it's been a nightmare. So to get from there, from two thousand and five to this point, and especially now, having seen what I've seen with the two, three, four, six. Um, I, I think it's a fantastic change. And, and what's really made me chuffed a bit and happy, so get a bit emotional about this sometimes, and what really made me happy is when NIC and NAPIT got involved and raised the bar as well. And they come to the agreement that, as from last September, no, to join us, MVQ3, even now to become a QS, MVQ3 minimum. And, and I just, I'm so pleased with that because I can see it's working and I can see, because I get insight into the industry every day and and because my assessments are so diverse, I get to see renewables, I get to see industrial, I get to see domestic, commercial, and I can just see little bit by little bit the standards just getting raised and raised and raised and raised and that's what it's all about and that's why I do what I do and I absolutely love it.
0: Nah, too right, and you're spot on. It's great to see industry coming together at last and trying to raise that bar a little bit. And there are going to be people who feel hard done to because of that, without question. There are always people who fall the wrong side of that line, and I sympathise with them massively. But overall, this is a good move, I think, in what we're seeing in wider industry as well. It's it's happening across the board, and it's fantastic. But speaking about the 2346 in more detail, you've got on your list sort of what are the units. So do they kind of match up with the apprenticeship framework, or is the different units that are involved with that part of the course?
1: Yes, yeah, I mean it, it it now kind of mirrors the five yeah it mirrors the five three five seven MVQ now that every apprentice will go through. Um and we've got the units the 102 um which is the health and safety I think it's oh one on the EAL. Um and you'll be assessed on two occasions for every unit in your MVQ. Right? So the unit 102 health and safety will be assessed. Now this one will be on site observations only there's no other assessment method allowed, this will be an on site observation where the assessor will review you on site, um, talk about the health and safety and go through a full uh, and robust health and safety assessment with you based on the criteria that's laid down. And then you've got the installation units like 106 108 and 109. Um, it's kind of back to front. So 106 is kind of like functional technical information slash organise and oversee. Um, now, this can be a bit of a tricky unit sometimes because a lot of this is focused on organising overseas supervisory, um, and a lot of a lot of the guys are not supervisors, um, so they've got to kind of we're trying to encourage them to think how a supervisor would think. How have you been supervised? And that's absolutely fine uh, to do that. Um, and the functional technical information part, you know, we're looking for you know the use of manufacturers' instructions, for example. You know, we're we're looking for drawings, designs. Um, you know, why drawing shouldn't clash with other site services and and the full sort of knowledge on how that all works, right? Um, 109 and 108 are the wrong way around. So 108 is terminate and connect and 109 is kind of like prepare to install and first fix. So when we assess it, we always assess it 106, 109, 108 um, for the 2356. Uh, EAL have got that right, actually, because they have got 01, 03, 04, 506, 07. Nice and simple. But um, City girls, for some reason, have put Terminate in before, um, before uh, installation. So there we are. Well, well done. Congratulations on that one. Um, it is what it is. Just do the units back to front. Um, then we've got Unit 113 um, or Unit 06 in EAL, which is going to be the testing unit. Uh, again, this is assessed on two separate occasions. Um, and it, again, it's up to the assessors, really, how they assess it. Um, we've all got our own preferences. Uh, my my personal preference when dealing with any assessment is I want to hear things from the horse's mouth. I don't particularly like people writing things down, Mark, if I'm honest. Um, things can be copied and pasted and plagiarized way too easy these days. So I prefer the sort of professional discussion, maybe with the use of photos or videos. I prefer an observation when I'm watching someone testing and I can be there and, you know, observe it for, for, with my own eyes, see the results they get and they can explain it to me um and then we've got unit 115, which is fault finding and they're asked to find um three faults out so of a, a range of different faults given using three different um pieces of test equipment uh, and again this is assessed over two separate occasions so three faults over two occasions and again it's up to the assessment team how they um how how they sort of achieve this uh, and again i've got my own preferred methods of of assessing um which is generally discussing or um observing and uh And that's it. So it's health and safety, uh, organise and oversee slash technical information, prepare to install, first fix, second fix, test, um, and then fault find.
0: Sweet. So that's quite a robust assessment process. And, And I agree with you. Seeing someone and talking to someone is far better than reading bits of text off some paper anyway. And it's got to be better both ways around. You get that feedback as well, don't you? It feels more natural. And if there are any Little bits and pieces you need to be brushing up on and improving to get that, you know, in on that basis works better for me. I think we've kind of covered the next question as we've been chatting a little bit about the intro of this, but the pros and cons. I guess there must be benefits and negatives to it. I think we've spoken a lot about the benefits. Is there anything else you would want to add in and around that?
1: Well, I mean, there's pluses and minuses to every situation, and um, because I was such an advocate of the two, three, five, six, nine, nine, and I kind of miss it because it was a really good qualification for an experienced worker. Um, it, it kind of ensured that they had a bit of knowledge because of the level two, um, and then the, the way the the way the qualification could be built was really straightforward in terms of how we could assess it. Um, so I I, I enjoyed that one, and I and I really do miss it, and and I was a little bit against the idea of the two three four six in the beginning but I've haven't assessed it for a couple of years uh, and i've really taken the bull by the horns and sort of you know got into it and, and played with it a little bit um I now understand that maybe the two, three, five, six, nine, nine was disadvantaging a lot of people who are already in the industry. You know, not everybody could go out there and, and sort of sit the level two and the level three. Not everybody could afford it, Mark, especially in this day and age as well. You know, you've got to pay for that, then you've got to pay for this and pay for that and pay for this. And it's, it's a lot of money. Um, and I think this qualification really does, if done correctly, can really give somebody who should be an electrician. The status of becoming an electrician, and then that's how it's designed. And I think as we've progressed with it, and as we've played with it, you know, and, and in the beginning, it's never going to be, it's never going to be perfect. And how how to say it really? You're not going to please all the people all the time. You know, there's always going to be people out there who're going to poo poo stuff. Um wh- One of my uh, we, we touched on it earlier. You know, the guys in net, um I think they do an absolutely outstanding job. I mean, and I I I, I know. Um, and, and, and so work with a couple of them on a regular basis right and um, the, the guys there really do work tirelessly and I, I know they really take it personally when they get bad sort of social media feedback because I can see and I know the kind of hours they put into this and the method of thinking that they put into this um, and, and I appreciate it and, and as an assessor and, and kind of in a way I'm glad that I sort of have these conversations with the guys in there because it makes me Maybe appreciate them, whereas before I I, I don't think I woulda, but now I kind of know what goes in from the inside. I know the hours they get put in, and I know the hours they get put in unpaid. And that, now I'm not going to beat around the bush. Some of the, some of the guys I, I know uh, in 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 net. Um, you've had a, a couple of guys on the podcast, right? Um, and and they work. They will work to get something right, and they'll. Kind of money goes out the window, time goes out the window, and uh you know I, I've had conversations at eleven twelve o'clock in the night, so I appreciate what they do in a, in net for us, and I can see why they do it now and I now having worked with this for the time i've worked with understand why they've done it and a massive thanks to the to them guys and a you know a really um heartfelt thanks actually to to all for all the hard work that they put in and the due diligence because it's it's outstanding from from the inside it really really is mark.
0: Yeah, that's something I try to share on my social media as well, because often when you see these things flare up and somebody will you know, take a shot at what they think is an industry body, NET or the ECA or whatever else, and often that falls down onto a few individuals just like you and me. I know from doing the podcasts and chatting around industry, the JIB, for example, will have a very small pool of employees. The same with the NET. These aren't massive organisations with offices full of hundreds of members of staff. It's people who really do care, and they're trying their best. And mistakes will be made; they always are by all of us. And I think if um, we all just thought a little bit more before we spoke, sometimes and kicked off on the internet, you know, we could um, help rather than hinder. I think a lot of these places. And and you covered it really well in what you just said there, Craig. So I won't repeat all of that again. And kind of that's your next question, I suppose. The personal feelings. How you done this for over over a year now yourself and. You know, your feelings on social media regarding this MBQ, I think we've kind of covered that in the in the last little ch- chat in and around there. There has been some resistance to it. I had the same sort of thoughts along the lines of you when it was kind of changed and introduced, but having no experience of how it works, I was open-minded. And listening to you speak about it just now, mm. you know, that's thoroughly convinced me that this is something that is good for industry. I think, you know, it's something that can be made to work in a way that's better for learners. So I think that's the, the key
1: takeaway I'm getting from the chat with you today. Absolutely. And what we encourage is feedback. Um, and what we've encouraged from the start is feedback. So t- tell us your experience, tell us how you feel, you know. And and t- to be fair, i I got to say, and and this is hand on heart, I don't think I've had one person who's successfully completed the MBQ and gone, well, that was a waste of time. I've had people who have been doing the MVQ who've told me it's a waste of time. Um, I'll give you an example. A guy said to me it was a Mickey Mouse MVQ. This is when I first met him. Oh, I got to do this Mickey Mouse MVQ, right? Been in the game 20 years, mate, right? He was a nice enough guy, don't get me wrong, but that was his attitude, right? When we finished the final assessment and I put him through and he was sat there and he was sweating and he was jittering and he was like, is it over yet, Craig? And I said, well, it is over, but let me just ask you one thing before I just stop talking to you now. And I'm recording this conversation Mark. Just can you just tell me was this a mickey mouse mvq or not He's like, no no nothing mickey mouse about this mate no <laughs> um so even someone's been in for 20 years he was put through his bases and and even him was like no absolutely actually in all seriousness that was brilliant and i i'm going forward i'm a better electrician i know more um and and in fact um actually i'm sorry and that was quite nice to you as well so you know that that's that's how it is that's how it works, and that's the, that's the reality of it you know it's not um it's it's not there for people to get an easy route it's it's there for people to to take on board and and, and to learn like i said it's not a teaching m v q but that's not to say me personally and the other assessors i work with i mean i i work over a broad range of of, of different providers and i work with i am gonna say the best assessment teams that i have ever met in my life i mean the the diligence that that the guys i work with show is fantastic you know we, we get together on a regular basis we standardize we bounce off each other we hit ideas off each other but we all support the learners um you know if one of us makes um a resource. For example, today, I made a little fault finding resource because people, you know, we were asking people for fault finding pictures, Mark, and they were unsure what pictures to take, you know, send them a little list, you know, this is kind of what we're looking for. Um, But I just made like a zoom PowerPoint presentation. But I've shared that with all my network rather than just me and my learners. So now there's a number of different assessors out there to 10, 11 people who are all going to share that with their learners as well. So as an assessment team, um, whether it's for that company or that company. To me, it doesn't matter. We're all a team. Um, but that resource can, you know, everybody can share it. Everybody can have a little a little bit of a, what's inside my head. And I, I'm more than proud to give that and, and give it for free as well. I, I don't want to make anything off it. I just want to, I just want to ra- raise the industry. I want to do my job. I want to help people. And, and that, to me, is very, very important. And that's part of the passion, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've, you've hit on two big topics there. And, and one is... I'm starting to see this on social media where people are saying they've been told by the NIC or NAPIT or whatever that they need to do this experience worker route to get the quals and it's a waste of time. It's a Mickey Mouse course. You see people having those opinions. So I think for them to hear this as well and understand that that isn't the case, you know, maybe there are things you do need to brush up on and there are improvements you can make. Um, you know, that's it's a good thing. You get out what you put in. Um, to a lot of these things and as much as it might be frustrating having done the job for 20 years and think you know what you're doing putting that effort in there when industry is saying actually just have a reset and have a think I don't think that it is a bad thing and also your point about assessors and um, and centers I guess that's you as an individual and the people around you and that's fantastic but one of the things on your list that I've got here is assessors and center quality control so to ask the question off the back of that, you know, what is actually in place more widely? Because everybody not might, might not be like you, Craig.
1: Absolutely. And, and we we touched on it earlier with the quality control process has got to go on. Um, now, quality control for me is an ongoing process. Again, Mark, it's never going to be perfect. Or it's never going to be perfect to everybody all the time, right? Um, there will be people that get through the net, like, like you said earlier, in every industry, right? Um, however, working... With sort of city and guilds and EAL, um, in the way I have over over the last sort of four to five years, I know the quality control process that goes on. So, for an an assessor, um, to then get quality controlled by his internal guy, who will then get quality controlled by an external person. Um, there's three levels of protection, and I think as an organisation, there's only so much you can do really. And I think that the processes that are in place for quality control at the moment, um, are fantastic. And I get, um, I get assessments rejected. I mean, I, I will think I've done an absolutely fantastic assessment. Um, and I'll get something back, you know, the, the IQA will come back and say, well, actually, Craig Miller, you know, that guy was wearing trainers. Like, you know, you, you know, or, you know, you missed something on safe isolation or, and, and, you, you know, as an assessor, oh, and I, I it calls me really, but then it improves me as an assessor because then I'm thinking I'm on high alert, right? That's going on my list. I'm not going to miss that next time. So to get feedback from internal and external, I've had, um, it's more scary talking to external and internal, by the way, <laughs> the, the internal ones, we can talk, talk kind of freely. The external ones are kind of a little bit more, uh, a little bit more frightening, but I've had my fair share of meetings with them as well. You know, and they put me, put me through my paces on some of my assessment decisions and, um, and and again, you know, it just makes you a little bit more sharper. It makes you realise, yeah, okay, do you know, this process is in place for this reason. So um, there will always be centres, I feel. I mean, I've worked for a number of different organisations in the past. We're not, not going to talk about that tonight, Mark, um, just, just in case uh, we get threatened again. But um, I have worked for a number of organisations in the past. I understand that not every centre, um, is driven by passion and um, the needs of the learner. Maybe they're driven by money, and uh, you know, to, to a certain extent, we all are. You know, but I feel the quality control that is in place with City and Guilds in the AL is robust, and it it is a good safety net, and it's the best one we've got available to us at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It certainly sounds like it to me. I think you're giving a really good overview of what's involved with this course, Craig, and what those safety nets are and that electricians who are already qualified can have confidence in it because that's some of the things that kick out on social media for these discussions. It's kind of devaluing what, what we already are and I don't see it as that. I think this is a legitimate way for people to prove they meet that that level and it has to be there. It's got a place and it's all about making sure that it's done as diligently as possible. And the way you've described it today, someone who's actually doing it, it sounds very much like that is the case um, and I hope other people listening to this podcast will feel the same as I do about it as well. Before we kind of move on to closing up the, the chat we're having today, um, you've got on your list the domestic MVQ, which is a little bit off topic for the two, three, four, six. But do you have a view on that? How do you? That's a new thing to industry now. My view is it's a good thing. Yeah, I'll just yeah. put that out there at the start.
1: Uh, Mark, it's not just a good thing; it's absolutely fundamental to how the industry is going to work. And again, social media. shall we should we call them keyboard warriors, Mark? Should we just should we just call them that? These people out there sort of poo poo in this right let's let's put the brass taxes down here now right 75 percent of electrical work in the uk is domestic 25 percent commercial industrial right so there's going to be sparks out there and we are putting guys through the full mvq at the moment that only do domestic and they're having to go out there and find these installs to do sometimes at their own cost in their own time it just don't feel as fair right so the need for a domestic MVQ is absolutely paramount. And I mean, it's been released. It's it's now, you know, the standards have been written. Um, the AM2 has been built. Um, again, I think Darren from, from NET has been heavily involved in that absolute legend of a man. I don't think anybody in education, electrical education, knows any more than that that, that man, to be fair. Um, but, I, but I know he's been heavily involved in that. Um, and, and that qualification is up and running. Um, which is great. But what we really need, I feel is an experienced worker version of that domestic electrician. Um, That will really take the whole Part P debacle and kill it dead. Because we've now got or we will have fingers crossed ASAP, uh, an NVQ just for a domestic spark, who they'll never touch commercial in their life. They don't want to, don't want to do commercial industrial. But it's more regulated we've got a gold card domestic electrician written on it they know where they can and where they can't work they're not going to get onto a site where they're not eligible it's impossible so that it's exciting for me because i've read the standards um i i've read the criteria i absolutely love it i know again let's come back to net the guys down there um carolyn as well um they've really put their heart and souls into this and they've come up with what is a phenomenal package uh, and i don't see how they're going to get any better if i'm honest it's brilliant um but the sooner that comes out for experienced workers the better that's going to benefit our industry no end absolutely love it can't wait for it to come out and something i'm definitely going to be jumping on and assessing so uh, yeah I- i'll just have to keep you posted really in terms of you know hopefully if and when it's it's going to get released i don't know whether some social media negativity is is is, is- Holding that back at the moment, I'm just not sure. I I wouldn't like to think so. Um, But what I would say to anybody who who, looks at domestic MVQ um, and and looks at it in a negative way, please try and think again. Please just have a little think about how many guys are working in the industry in domestic as opposed to commercial, and let's just try and all work together to raise the standard of the industry uh, rather than scare somebody off who doesn't even do the qualification at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, loads of great points in there. There's, there's two key aspects to that course for me. One is there's a demand for it because people want to train in that space. And the other is there's a lot of legitimate employers who are desperate to take on apprentices but don't have the full range of work to offer them that position. So we're kind of excluding those people. I have chats with people like that all the time in Apprentice One-to-One. I'd love to take an mm-hmm. apprentice on. We've got the workflow, but we don't cover all aspects of wiring systems, containment. The college have told us that we can't run the course because that's the honest discussion people are supposed to have. And it's not to replace the traditional apprenticeship. I know it's not because I've just sat in on the development of that new standard. That's staying. That's going to be the installation and maintenance electrician is going nowhere. This hasn't replaced it. It's something new to sit alongside it. And having an experienced worker route for it makes a lot of sense because you know, the worry is a lot of these um, shorter course domestic installers might be transferred to a gold card through 2346 in a way that's maybe not quite right. And having an appropriate route for them to still meet that that standard, the new standard, makes total sense to me, Craig. I think that's a brilliant point.
1: Yeah, abs- it, it absolutely is, Mark. And and I, I think it's something that it needs to be done. It is. It it, it has started, um, and we just need the um, we just need the experienced worker route now uh, up and running asap. And I think that'll be uh, that'll be the tip of the iceberg for us. I think it'll be fantastic.
0: It will, it will. I mean, you kind of touched on this one all the way through this chat, but thanking people behind the scenes, you've got that on your list. Is there anyone outside of NET you're thinking of with that? Or is it those guys in particular you're wanting to pass your thanks on towards?
1: There is, Mark. Um, it's you, mate. Um, I, 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 I'm an advocate of one to one as you know. I've been a fan since the start. And, and again, you know, it's a pleasure. I'm grateful to come on and speak to, to you tonight. Like, um, But the stuff you do, and again, we, we, we talked. you and I both, work a lot of unpaid hours we we know that um but what what you've done and what you continue to do for the the apprentices um and the things you highlight yeah thank you i appreciate it and i appreciate it on behalf of all of them guys buddy
0: i wasn't expecting that but i'll take it Craig. because that's fun that's very kind of you it's really nice actually so thank you very very much Um, Before we get into concluding the chat and how people can kind of get in touch with you and et cetera, is it okay if we run through a few questions? I've put some feelers out on social media today from the the purpose of this podcast because I knew lots of people would want some specific things covering. And to be fair, I think a lot of it you have actually chatted about already anyway. But if it's okay with you, can we run through a few now? No problem. No worries. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I'll,
1: I'll
0: I'll start from the top. Um, one person has said, "I've worked on site for years. Why should I do a two, three, four, six? We kind of answered that. You know, that's the mindset a lot of people are in. I think that's yeah. a shift in the way they need to think. To be honest,
1: come and sit the skill scan, and then ask the question again.
0: Yeah, that's a fair comment. That is such a fair comment. So yeah, I mean, try it.
1: Yeah, come come and sit the skill scan. Um, Have a go, and then see how you feel and. Um, you you will fight what you'll find, guys, is when you sit the skill scan, if you don't know what you should know, it will be uncovered very quickly.
0: Too true. How long does this this particular kind of NVQ take? What's the average? I know it's gonna be different for everybody, but is there an average time frame you can right. put on it?
1: I get asked this question every single day of my life. And the answer is I don't know. How long is a piece of string, right? You could have somebody who's got access to the full range of cable, containments, and accessories. They've got, they have got, they, might have the 18th and the 2391 already, right? Um, and they might be able to go in and, and just have that work. And they might be able to do it in a couple of months, right? You might have somebody who really, really struggles um, to get the cables, containments, and accessories. The domestic guy uh, or girl who's out there working and really struggles to get the, the commercial side of it in. So it could take a couple of weeks. It could take a couple of months. I've got people on with me who's been on from the from the beginning a couple of years um the answer is it's down to you how quickly can you get the evidence that's how quick you can do it there's no there's no set time that's not really how it works uh it's how quickly you can get the evidence how quickly we can assess your knowledge um from a couple of weeks to a couple of months and this is where the confusion comes in with the, the the social media people. Just to touch on it briefly, Mark is saying you can become an electrician in a couple of weeks. Which well, you know what? Yeah, if you are good enough and you've got the skills, knowledge, experience, qualifications, of course you can. If you haven't, you can't. And 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 it's as simple as that. Until you get them, you won't. So you know, it's the answer is it's up to you. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's fair fair enough. To be fair, I and mean, you can't say blindly what it is going to take on average for everybody this next question is quite specific and it kind of relates to something we did discuss earlier i'll I'll read through it it is a bit of a long one but um they're currently in the ref in a non-technical role but they're coming up to the end of their contract in a few years and they want to train as a fully qualified electrician in both domestic commercial industrial now they have done a domestic install as a course a few years ago they have done part p and they have done the 17th edition which they know is out of date They've been advised to look at doing the City and Guilds 2365 Level 2 and 3 with a particular training provider I won't mention, and then obviously going on to do the NVQ and AM2 with an employer. Do they have to do that, or is it worthwhile sitting a skill scan with someone like yourself coming from a military background with those prior quals?
1: Not if they haven't got any experience working as an electrician in the RAF. So if you've got to be very careful, because coming from a military background myself – Um, So, for example, when I was in the military, I worked closely with the RAF actually on air defense systems, but the systems I were working on were more circuitry. They were more technical. It was more programming stuff. Right. Um, So if you're in a technical background, as in your operating systems, you're not going to have electrical installation experience. So if you haven't got that experience, that will come up you'll fall apart in the skills scan very quickly. So my advice would definitely be level two, level three, two, three, five, seven um, would probably be the best route for them.
0: So it sounds like they've had some good advice already based on that. And I'll message that back to them as feedback. Um, I'm just going to jump into the other questions now if I can figure out how to find them. Here we go. Um, I have got uh, my route so this is a gentleman on Instagram has said, um, I've done an experienced worker route in the past. Is this something that people still look down their noses at? Cause they feel like it's kind of shown as a lesser route to being an electrician. Do you think there is an
1: element of that that goes on out in industry? Doesn't matter. Who cares? doesn't make a difference. If if, if you've if sat the experienced worker route, you're an electrician End the chat, um, you've got that gold card. They've got the gold card, you know, um, Who's gold card's the biggest? I don't know. Um, personally, <laughs> my feelings on it, 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 it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It's, uh, don't worry about it. Go and have a cup of tea and crack on with your job. It's fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would echo that. If you are qualified as an electrician and you've got the, the paperwork to sh- say it and show it, then you've done it. You don't have to disclose to anyone how you became an electrician at the end of the day unless you want to, um, fair play. No. Somebody said here, is this going to be suitable for somebody who is 26 years old with just over five years' experience post-qualified? I think we kind of covered that already, that that's about the limit of where it would fit, isn't it? Yeah, you're probably on
1: the, on the, on the bottom end of where you are. As long as you can prove your experience, if you've got the knowledge, if you feel you've got the knowledge, um, then absolutely eligible to sit the skill scan and, uh, and see how you get on, yeah.
0: Yeah, and another person has said, um, is this the best route to qualify to the Level 3 EAS standard to attain application to the CPSs? So I guess that's somebody who's got the qualifications roughly, but not to the extent they meet that. And this is exactly what it's for, I would say. Is that right, Craig?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So you're going to need an NVQ Level 3 minimum to join the CPS now. So uh, oh, as no. long as you've got all the aforementioned uh, attributes that we've talked about tonight, uh, and you get through the MBQ then you're you know you are more than uh, going to be more than qualified to join the CPS
0: um somebody's asked another very specific question here they've said i've got the net checklist that i'm working through getting ready the competencies ticked off for the endpoint assessment in reading it it talks of uh, signing to say you're ready from yourself your employer and your training provider in that scenario is your um, 2346 assessor the training provider or do they need an additional training provider to enter AM2?
1: The, right, so this is a bit of a, a tricky one. Not everybody, including assessment centres, understand this, right? So I'm going to give you my understanding of it. If you are, a, um, you know, like you come through a college, out of school, gone to college, done an apprenticeship, government funded, then your training provider will need to then vouch for you in terms of um, sitting the AM2, right? If you... I've come through a private route, which is what this is. Um, you don't really need your training provider to vouch for you at all. Um, it's it's kind of not relevant. Your assessor, your assessor is your assessor. They're not your training provider. So the training provider is the company that you have contracted to in order to um, you know signed you up and registered you for for the MBQ. So you will need to con if the, if Net are insisting or the Net Centre is insisting if you trade your provider decides that's who you need to contact your your assessor. It's just me, you know. I'm just your assessor. Leave me alone. Um, it's, it, I'm I'm not your trading provider. I am your I'm assessing you on behalf of your trading provider. So if they're insisting, they, they'll sign it. I mean, they will sign it. Absolutely, no reason why they wouldn't. Um, but as far as I understand it, and actually I'll get clarification from somebody from Net um i shall speak to darren maybe later on and uh, and ask his opinion on it but my understanding is that a private route uh learner we're going to give you the mbq certificate at the end of the 2346 um and when you've got that that's your qualification to sit that uh, am2 and there's no reason why they should need your training provider to verify that
0: that makes sense i don't think they've had a particular issue i think they're just trying to for guess what might be coming down the line before they get to that stage. So, cheers for covering that one. And that's that's kind of there is a lot of similar questions. There's a few people have asked similar things. I'm not going to repeat the same ones over and over. I think we've given it a broad coverage in this chat we've had tonight, Craig. Before we end it, is there any? I've got you one. Wanted-
1: uh, I've got one question, Mark. Go for it. Yeah, there's there's one one question I had that I thought of that people might might not have thought of. Right. Um, so, in terms of AM2. Right. We get people, get a lot of people who have done training in the past. Um, they might have been sat in MVQ and already sat the AM two and then it's all gone wrong for whatever reason, right? And then the question is, if I've already sat my AM two, do I have to sit my AM2 again when I do the Good two, question. three, four, six? Right? Okay, so the answer to that question is no, you don't have to sit the full MVQ. Yes, you will have to sit a bridging unit because it's the AM2E that you need to sit. So you'll just have to sit the um the little bridging unit, which I think is the containment part. All okay. right. So your AM2 will still stand, it still counts, it'll stand and it'll count forever, but you'll just need to do an add on unit, um, which is a lot cheaper than doing a full AM two as well, which is great. But you will not need to sit the full MVQ, you can just sit the bridging unit. Um and uh and, and that's a bit of good news for everyone.
0: That is good news. Sort of fill in the gaps rather than repeat the whole thing. Save money, save time. What's not to like about that? <laughs> Absolutely. Anything else you want to add, Craig, about anything else in industry you want to discuss tonight before we end it? And if not, your closing thoughts and how people can maybe get in touch with you if they wanted to.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not going to give my phone number out uh, this time, Mark, because it was, it was like Fred Connor's hot hotline last time. Um, so I just set up an email address like, guys I, I, as, as you've seen tonight we do a lot of work for free I am happy to answer any questions I don't charge for information that I give so I've just set up a little email uh, account um, so it's electricalmvq then the number 4 on you electricalmvq for you at gmail.com feel free to email me email me your questions um, email me anything about the 2346 you want to email me uh, and I'll gladly answer you um, as, as soon as I possibly can um, and the other thing is Mark in the last podcast, you asked me about what tool I would buy. Yes, So I remember rightly, you said <laughs> well, what would you, what you recommend is a really good tool, right? I have, you know, me bookworm, so I always recommend books. Now, I've bought a fantastic book that I want to recommend for people. Now, this is specifically the guy sitting in the two, three, four, six, right? Now, this book, "Student's Guide to the Wiring Regulations," is like the on-site guide on steroids, right? It's filled with everything broken down that you need into real layman's terms, real, understandable, understand the regulations. From this book, it covers absolutely everything. Um, it doesn't cover RCD testing very well, which is something I'll have to email AET about. However, everything else, I've gone through it. It's phenomenal. So students, sky- guys, I don't get commission on this, by the way, guys. I'm not selling this book. Um, but I bought <laughs> it for myself like... as a CPD, and I really enjoyed it. I actually read this on a on a plane on the way to Greece, and uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Really, really good book. Um, so I recommend that for anyone who's uh, sitting at two, three, four, six, and maybe is a little bit down on their knowledge. You know what? Before you do your skills scan, have a read of that. Brilliant.
0: That's such a great point, and it resonates with me because I bought our apprentices that very book, and I read it and thought, Jesus, this is fantastic. And we've actually got. Ten coming into Apprentice One-to-One next week, and we're going to be giving them away on our Instagram account. So if you want a chance to get in a free copy, keep your eyes peeled over there. Otherwise, I want to thank you massively for coming on, Craig, giving up your time tonight to have a good chat through all this. I've been asked loads and loads of questions about the experience worker route over the last two or three years, and it's fantastic to have an expert come on and tell us all about it and explain in detail what it means, how you go about completing it, Um, And I will pop your email in the show notes for anybody who does want to get in touch with Craig. You don't have to wear the pen and paper as he read it out there. I'll make sure I get a copy of it. I'll drop a link to that book as well from the IET bookshop. You can get it from other places, but at least you can go off and have a look at it. If you haven't been watching on YouTube and you've been listening on the podcast. Um, Thank you all for getting involved in the discussion around this on social media leading up to the chat. If you do have any questions after the fact, drop them into the comments below. And me and Craig will have a dig into those maybe through the next couple of weeks and get back to you if we get the the chance. I certainly will. Thank you again, Craig. We're going to leave that one there
1: and we'll see you all on the next one.